Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing 1999's Drive Me Crazy, uh, directed by John Schultz and written by Rob Thomas, who is the creator of Veronica Mars. <laughs> and in order to unpack this, you know, high art uh, we brought on a fantastic uh, guest, uh, guest, guest, I cannot talk. A guest. Comedian <laughs> um, uh, Dana Donnelly. Hi. And we are, the beauty of the internet is now we can have guests from everywhere. Yes, um, yes. I guess we could have done this before, but it would have been weird to record in your apartment, you and I, and then like FaceTime, right? Yeah, I don't know. It would have been like we were like gaming with someone. <laughs> Now we're makes a more this sense. Is, this is part of our identity now. Yeah, this this movie it's it it is like peak late nineties, early aughts. Um nineteen ninety-nine, Melissa Joan Hart, Adrian yeah, Grenier, um, some other people who are somehow less famous than Adrian Grenier, which is really unfair. <laughs> The um, ultimate guy uh, that could never be a movie star. Yeah, him. Um, so Allie Larder is there, Susan May Pratt, and Mark Weber. And I'm trying to think, is there anyone else that's worth mentioning? Oh. I'm looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, there's the there's the dad from um, Seventh Heaven, Stephen Collins, who plays Melissa Joan Hart's dad, but he's also like... Um, bad now he's he's a pedophile yeah (laughs) yeah which really makes like I watched seventh heaven a lot as like a like religious kid who was like trying to get my parents to let me do shit and now I'm like wow that I can't I mean not that I would want to rewatch it but I really couldn't now that's so sinister (laughs) yeah yeah like with the the hindsight Yeah, it's like just about him having a lot of kids and like a lot of kids hanging out with his kids. Like Yeah, and him getting like mad at them, really mad at them for really weird shit. <laughs> He'd be like, um, you left youth group early. Like why? <laughs> that would be a whole episode. It would just well, be like the- Mary left youth group. <laughs> There is an episode where, like, Usher is this kid who's, like, suicidal, and then Stephen Collins saves Usher's life. <laughs> okay, I do need to rewatch that episode. I love... I'm, I start, I'm sure this exists somewhere already, but, like, I need to start my own personal blog that's just Usher being places that, like, why is he there? Oh, you didn't expect him to be there. Yeah. Yeah, just Usher showing up, because that is, that is such a thing. Uh, so the, so this movie is actually based on a book called How I Created My Perfect Prom Date, which is, which is cute in a way, but also it reminds us that no one says prom in this movie. It's a thing called the centennial and it never stops sounding really clinical and weird when they say it. (laughs) The centennial. Well, I just watched the Hunger Games and it kept making me think of that. Yeah. Yeah, It does sound like they're going to like, I don't know. 
show off a building and then have people kill each other in front of it. It sounds like shit's going to go down. Yeah, for sure. You don't, you don't feel like it's just going to be a dance. There's a lot more right. at here. At like a high school too. Yeah. They, okay. So they go to, they go to time zone high school, <laughs> which I totally <laughs> forgot. Yeah. I, I, I had to actually pause it and replay certain moments just to make sure that was right. I was like, am I trolling? Like, is my hearing trolling me? No, this is actually happening. No, like at the very end, like Carrie Lynn Pratt is named Miss Miss Time Zone. <laughs> yeah, Miss Time Zone. Like that's, uh, honestly, I would love to win that. That's a very existential prize, you know? Time Zone. Yeah. That's no. that definitely better than Prom Queen. Yeah, like yeah. you'll always like that's a title that will last your whole life, <laughs> <laughs> which is what we all want. Um, oh my god! So there's okay. Wait, there's Carrie Lynn Pratt, who is the sweet girl who used to be chubby in the movie and is like one of the few decent people in it. And then there is the bad girl um, who plays Alicia, which is Susan May Pratt. So uh, and she she like always played like a bitchy girl in like the nineties movies. Like she was in Ten Things I Hate About You. Too. Yeah, she was. And she was just like she's always like really like shitty. I I feel like in this movie she was like shitty in a way that I didn't like wasn't predictable. Like she was like alty but also popular but also yes. was like a huge bitch. And I didn't I don't really like get that um, archetype. Yeah, the really entire social structure like, of this movie doesn't really work for me. And it's weird because, like, I've watched all of Veronica Mars, like, the, the popular kids, the dorky kids, like, that's all pretty well drawn in Veronica Mars. But in Drive Me Crazy, it's just, like, the popular kids, some of them have, like, theater and choir kid energy, and that's confusing. <laughs> yeah, like, two of the kids in the group wear all black, but then the other kids, like, play basketball. And then, yeah. like, Melissa Joan Hart's, like, in charge of shit. <laughs> she's yeah, just, it's like... Very, it's very hard like, to... She's, like, in charge of but also not. Like, she plans things, but she's she also doesn't really seem to have that much besides that. She, like, plans this dance, and... yeah. Like I've well, we don't know who she like is. miss like every team, you know, like trying to go to the college, and it was like not really that energy. She's just like kind of neurotic. She kind of <laughs> like, reminds yeah. me of her character in Can't Hardly Wait, which is like her just running around with her yearbook trying to get people to sign it. <laughs> yeah, like she just needs to collect people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. not the same energy. Like, please sign my yearbook is the energy that she has, which is weird because why would that be popular? She seems to care so much. Isn't the point of being popular not caring? <laughs> yeah, well, she cares. She cares like in a, like a really weird amount where like she's on TV making the announcement and she's like really enthusiastically being like, this is going to be so great. And we worked hard so like that you guys can like have fun or whatever. And she's like so proud of it in a way where I'm like, oh, I would be humiliated if I was like that enthusiastic about something like on like the school TV or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's like be, be there like, in oh. your formal wear. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, this is historic. And I was like, I want to bully you. <laughs> it's weird that she doesn't get bullied. I'm not honestly. a bully, but like I, she brought that out of me. I was like, what is happening? I, I like, I do feel like this this movie is weird with the popularity aspect because it's obsessed with like, at first you think it's obsessed with like the preps and then like the alt kids. But, but like you said, 
everyone's kind of mixed and there's no delineation, but yet there's this obsession with, you know, what, what group are you part of? There's this, yeah, there's it's there's this obsession with status. What you're doing. Well, but it's like, but the only status is you're either designated Dave or you're not. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Where it's like you either are the least cool person or you're cool. Yeah, it does seem like everybody's <laughs> cool. <laughs> like that is the vibe I get. I'm like, oh, it seems like everyone kind of does the same thing and like goes to the same parties. There's just like one kid who drives people home. <laughs> Yeah, who has, like, a car. Doesn't he get, like, one of those um, separator, like, great things in his car, like a cab driver? Like, yes. <laughs> this is like, just, like, weird detail that I get caught up on, but I kept thinking, like, where did he get that? Like, <laughs> like why does he have it? Did someone try to hurt him while he was driving them? <laughs> like, is Dave okay? <laughs> like, I can imagine. And also just, like, when Adrian Grenier is still, like, an uncool kid, his relationship with Ali Larder is one of the coolest things ever in the sense that he's just, like, walking around and she just, like, pulls him into the closet and then they just, like, fuck in the closet. And I'm trying to imagine nerds being that bold and I just don't <laughs> believe it. Like, well, everyone should know that they're fucking in this closet. <laughs> Like, the thing is, like, she was really cool and, like, too cool for him. Yeah, yeah like, it's, they broke like, up. Those are all, she's like, I care about causes, so I'm actually all, like, I would go to a protest, you just pull pranks. Right. And then, yeah. Which I, shirt with Melissa Joan Hart. But, like, okay, my sister, my sister and I were talking about this, but, like, he definitely, in, a, in like, a perfect world, he would have ended up with an alley larder like type of character because he wouldn't have been I think he was just like chat like felt too challenged and like intimidated by her yeah no I think yeah. so too like, because yeah. she breaks up with him because he doesn't care about like liberating animals that are being tested on in labs and it's just like okay dude nut up and save the bunnies like what the fuck <laughs> yeah for reals <laughs> like well because I mean he is like peak high school like insecure like angsty dude so it does make sense that he's threatened by someone who kind of punctures his shield of like whatever like when she calls him out he's he like doesn't have a rebuttal because he's prepared his whole personality and she she like kind of pivots that yeah he's built she's right, like well he... what about actually caring about stuff that's alternative and he's like um i don't have an answer prepared he's also <laughs> it's also weird that he's like not getting high all the time he just spends a lot of time like brooding in his room sober and i just i don't believe that either <laughs> yeah well okay i just i just tweeted about this but i was like it's so weird that his dad when he's like laying there and he's like staring at the ceiling that his dad comes in and is like are you stoned and he's like no that his dad takes comfort in that i'm like you're there's something wrong with your son Compressed <laughs> yeah, than stone like what yeah right like okay well, something like, like if you're if i mean i would only worry about my kid getting high if they were doing it like all the time in public but if he's like in his room getting high that's perfectly fine why isn't he doing that yeah right. he's going to school like it was a weekend that he was laying in bed um yeah, it's it's also, I mean, this movie is just like, there's that, I, I cracked up, I laughed out loud begin, near the beginning of the movie when um, Adrian Grenier's dad is talking to Melissa Joan Hart's mom, and then they both come out, and, and the parents are like, why don't you hang out anymore? You used to be inseparable. And then, and then Melissa Joan Hart is like, junior high happened, and that's when the title for the movie 
<laughs> goes across the screen. I was like, okay, I know exactly. I didn't know what I was in for, but I thought I did. <laughs> yeah, you. That's the thing is, it it like appears for a while to be like a really straightforward high school movie, and then you're like suddenly on all these weird detours. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't pick a trope, like a, no. a pathway of tropes. It's like we're gonna just do a bunch of tropes and like dance around, and then try to do new things that we don't commit to. Right, and then like at, at the end, somehow come together anyway. Yeah. And like the, the ending, scene, I mean, we'll get to that, but, like... Yeah, well, the scene when they go to the lake felt so random. Mm-hmm. Like, does that make sense? Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, the lake scene was one of those scenes... I felt like there were scenes in the movie where it doesn't really need to happen, but they kind of force it to happen so they can have one conversation that I felt like they could have fit somewhere else. Like, that was when we found yeah. out about... Um, the, the How the girl used to be fat. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I, I feel like this conversation could have happened somewhere else, but but they have this whole lake situation just so we can well, get background. I mean, I do like the scene where we find out just because it's like, I guess what they're trying to do is that like Adrian Grenier and Carrie Lynn Pratt are like the ones that like used to be uncool and now they're cool and they're just bonding with each other. Like, oh yes, we are both the pretenders. But it also reminds me of that scene in Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, where she or Bridget gets set at that table with that guy and he's oh just like, gosh, we yeah. don't belong here. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, there's those people that are always hot and then us who I guess aren't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> arbitrary (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) like they don't know that we're not supposed to be here (laughs) i'm like well yeah if you have that energy then they probably won't want you there like (laughs) okay so the plot of this movie um just you know because it's one of those like we have to have a plan because all of these movies have some kind of intricate plan that they get less and less interested in as we go and the plan here is that um, Adrian Grenier loses Ali Larder because he doesn't care about animal rights, which feels perfectly normal to me, but whatever he's upset. Um, and then, uh, Melissa Joan Hart wants this guy, Brad, to take her to Centennial. And the whole beginning is like her being like, let me put on this red halter top to get Brad's attention. And the fact that she just has to like set herself out there for Brad. And it's not because she likes Brad. It's because she thinks that Brad would look like a good date. He'd look good for pictures. He'd look good for her social status, all these things. So like Adrian Grenier gets his heart broken. She loses the Patsy that she wanted. And so they <laughs> get together and decide, okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna make you popular so that you can and make it seem like you're taking me to the dance so that Brad will know what he lost and then take me to the dance. And then Allie Larder will be so upset that you're tucking in your shirts that she's going to show up and get you back and everything's going to be perfect. Like, that is the plan. Which is, like, such a... I know that people have done things like this in real life, but it's such a thing in these movies. Like, fake dating someone so you can get someone else's attention is such a funny concept. Like, I I feel like 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 getting someone jealous is one thing, but fake dating is another level. Well, fake dating is just like, yeah, like it's a committing to a bit that's just so elaborate. And it's yeah. like, especially in these kind of high school movies, I always think it's weird when people pretend to date each other when they haven't dated anyone for real yet, even. 
Right. Like, like they're like, oh, let's just find like, we can totally do this as 15 year olds. <laughs> right. And it's like, well, you've never had a boyfriend before. Why would you now have a fake boyfriend? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, it's like, yeah. And, and it's cute. Like, cause the actors are always older, you know, than actual teens. It's cute seeing like these actors who are grown adults pretend to be kids who are pretending to be adults who like don't know how relationships work and have these ridiculous conversations where they're like, okay, well we have to do this. Cause this is what girlfriends and boyfriends do. And I'm like, what? Who yeah, we we've got a, we've got a cruise down broad street with the top down so that everyone knows that we're dating. <laughs> it's also like, I mean, the, the culture of the town being one of those towns where everyone's parents are from the town, I think was like a really interesting element. Like, does that make sense? Where it's, like, everyone who's there, like, their parents also did Centennial. Yeah. Yeah, like, there's, like, this generational obsession, kind of. Right, like, ever, like, you know whose parents were popular in high school. Yeah, there's, like, it's, like, generational wealth with popularity. Right. <laughs> it's, like, oh, but sorry, like, your parents are socially poor. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, your parents, like, yeah, weren't cool in high school. Like, it's just, like, such a weird, like, element of the movie where you also get, like, social dynamics of the parents. Yeah, like, they they still view each other through that high school lens as, like, 40, 50-year-olds. It's the right, same, with it's kids the same thing on Riverdale. I don't know if either one of you watch Riverdale, but it's the same shit where everybody's just, all of those adults are just, like, fucking the same people that they were fucking in high school and, like, still sharing, like, high school secrets still. And it's everybody's middle-aged and it's weird. That's it's so weirdly like not for like actual life, but for a show, <laughs> like just like people who haven't like that's their their problems are having beef with people that they've known their whole life. It's so I don't so I like it's a whole thing where it's like Betty's mom used to date Jughead's dad, and like it's just like <laughs> who asked. I mean, on Riverdale, apparently they really like bumped up the parent romance storylines because none of the teen actors are available to shoot anymore or something. Because they all oh got my so God. I, I yeah, hate like, the adult relationships on Riverdale so badly. That's so they're annoying. Like leaning, <laughs> they're like leaning into them because like no one's available to film anymore. <laughs> That's really, that's a really funny reason for them to make that choice. They're like, actually, like, the younger people don't even want to do the show anymore. (laughs) (laughs) But they're not, like, changing the script enough to make it, like, deep, you know, nuanced relationships with older people. It's just, like, high school drama with, like... With old people. Uh, Yeah. So, it's, I don't know. The I mean, I've always found the dichotomies of popularity in these movies to be strange, because I went to a Southern school, and uh, basically... You were cool if you really loved God. Like, <laughs> like that was like our prom, our prom queen both years was just a nice girl who really loved God. Like she wasn't that's that's really it. Like that's everybody like really cute. <laughs> that's like really sweet. That's very wholesome. That's how it should be. <laughs> I think. But I don't know. And here, I, it's hard to know who is the most popular girl. And like, I guess it's Carrie Lynn Pratt. But it's so weird because she's just she's just so surprised to be there that she's not even really like a queen bee. She's like, I guess I'm popular. I guess people are hanging out with me. But like, I used to be chubby, so I don't trust anybody. And then you find out later that like, well, that she's. 
I actually think that one of the best reveals of this movie is that she has like an online username and she talks to boys on it because I relate to that. That's the most relatable thing that anyone in this movie does. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And the whole like, you're going to meet in real life. Like you have no idea what to expect. I, I love that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I really enjoyed that. I liked her. I kind of wanted more of her because because Melissa Joan Hart isn't the most popular girl in school. I'm constantly wondering why we're focusing on her specifically because she really doesn't have anything going on except that her dad refuses to be a dad and like shows up and takes her on fucking hot air balloon rides and shit. Yeah, her relationship with her dad. Like there were points Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. He really hands for that book. What? I said he really Zen in the art of motorcycle maintenance. And it's just like, this is why I am who I am. (laughs) (laughs) What a nightmare. But it like there's this moment where they're interacting at the dance and and he's like, yeah, can I take you to dinner tomorrow? And it's like her dad. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, pick me up at seven. And they have this tension. And I'm like, uh, did was I the only one who picked that up? I was like, are they? No, it seems up? like, no, it seems like her, all of her issues like stem from like her dad. Her. And she good. treats her dad like her ex-boyfriend. What were you going to say, Dana? <laughs> He's like, oh, he's here. And it's like, oh, it doesn't feel like a dad relationship, like even a bad dad. This just feels like, um, yeah, I don't know what it feels like. I don't want to know. This was one of those movies where every single character had sexual tension with every other character. And so like every scene, I was like, oh, are these people going to hook up? Yeah. I desperately wanted someone to hook up. It's weird that every everyone's so chill, but no one is fucking. This is it's weird. Well they're they're in Utah, so it's probably just ingrained. There there I mean there there's that conversation where they're all talking about like waiting. Yeah, that's true. Because and, and there's like um another conversation with Brad where Susan May Pratt is basically like talking shit about Melissa Joan Hart behind her back and it's like she's a lot of talk but not a lot of action he's like well most girls are like that and so it's like oh nobody at the school is having sex wait they're in Utah yeah they're in Utah it's like it's filmed at this uh (laughs) yeah it's one of the talks uh high school in Ogden well that explains so much I feel (laughs) like I get it now (laughs) Yeah, it's like, even though it's not technically, like, they're not overtly religious, I think that there is kind of... Also, like, I feel like the late 90s, early 2000s were a weirdly, like, conservative time. Yeah, no, they were. Yeah, yeah, it was, like, um, yeah, just, like, everything was very... It was, like, a very horny but conservative time where it was, like, oh, everyone wants to have sex, but no one does, so it's Right, no one actually has sex. Everyone is just, like, 18 and a virgin. That was, like... But it was also, like, when we were most obsessed with, like, celebrating when, like, female celebrities turned 18. Yep. Yeah. It was was a creepy decade. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I feel so... Like, it's weird that then, I mean, because I was younger than that, I was like, oh, like, the Olsen twins are 18 today. Ha, ha, ha. And now I'm like, what a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. No, actually, though. It's, like, it's so creepy that we would, like, make a note of that. Yeah. And everybody's just like, oh, finally, like... Yeah, yeah, finally, yeah, I could have sex with an Olsen twin. <laughs> um, speaking of having sex with the Olsen twins, 
I'm like dying. That's, that's going to be my new transition. Um, I'm dying to know before we started recording, uh, we mentioned, we were talking about Melissa Joan Hart and how this was her heyday. And I do not know what she's up to now. And Jordan said that she would reveal it on the podcast. Oh yeah. Okay. So Melissa Joan Hart is actually really, really Christian now, like very scary Christian. And, uh, she, (laughs) I'm trying to remember which she starred in a pretty big Christian movie and I was trying to make sure I knew which one. Yes. Uh, she starred in God's Not Dead too. <laughs> God's Not oh. Dead too. There's two God's, of them. God's Not Dead too. There's three of them. I'm pretty sure there's a God's Not Dead 3. Well, I mean, the Trinity, it makes sense. Wow. <laughs> but yes, Melissa Joan Hart is super Christian. That's what happened to her. She's just like a conservative. Wow. Which, which like, you can, you can kind of see it in her. Like, when you look back at her, it's like, yeah. It makes sense that she was going that way. I don't know yeah, if it's a not, huge surprise. It's not an entire surprise, but it's like, oh, that's why I don't know what's going on with her. Yeah, yeah, because it's just, I don't know. I feel like a lot of women from that, from the 90s, I was tweeting about it, are like something happened to them and everybody kind of just like chose which way they were going to deal with it. Like Melissa Joan Hart and Candace Cameron Burr decided that they were going to be super Christian. And, you know, uh, Rose McGowan decided that she was going to uh, do whatever it is that she does. I'm not going to, I don't have a judgment. I'm just whatever Rose McGowan does. Um, and Alyssa Milano decided to become the most annoying person on Twitter. And it, I think it all really, I think the only really normal person from the, because even like Alicia, Alicia Silverstone is like one of those like annoying vegans or something. There's something about her that's like annoying where she's like very organic. Her child straight from her mouth. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I watched a video of it. I was like, what's happening to my childhood? So I think that the only like girl from that time that ended up normal is like Drew Barrymore, who I, I, I assume is normal because we never know what she's doing. Like she's like just like smoking a blunt at home and we don't hear from her ever unless she's doing something. But I feel like, do you think that's like because she was raised so in the industry that it's like, it was almost like normalized to her where she was like more used to it or like more well-equipped to like deal with like being over-sexualized at a young age? Well, I mean, with Drew Barrymore, it was just that like she crashed and burned like very, very publicly. And so, you know, she had to go through recovery and like rehab and all of that. And so I'm sure now she's just like, you know, I'm just, I'm just chilling. I'm not gonna, and while, while everybody else, it was kind of like an implicit thing. Like I didn't realize that there was something really weird about the way that Alicia Silverstone was treated in movies or Alyssa Milano until I got older. It was actually like I was watching the movie Fear, which I feel like we should do on our erotic thriller part of the podcast where uh, yes. Alyssa Milano's character in Fear upset me so much. I rewatched it earlier, like in Brooklyn, and it was like a joke thing. It's like, oh, we're all gonna go see Fear, and it was just like a bunch of us girls, just like, oh, remember this movie where Mark Wahlberg is kind of creepy? He he he. That movie is fucking terrifying, and Alyssa Milano gets fucking brutalized in that movie. It's like a traumatic movie. Like he's a psycho. Like he's he's a domestic abuser murderer and everybody's yeah it's a very 
Right, but it's like it's like he's stalking Reese Witherspoon, but like Alyssa Milano just gets caught in the crosshairs just because she's considered lower class. And I think a lot of these people played a lot of these characters. Like in terms of Melissa Joan Hart, it's actually kind of interesting because this is the most sexual that we ever really get from her. But that was enough for her to just be like, you know, I feel like Christian film is the way to go now. <laughs> We saw like a little bit of her navel in this, and that's it. I feel like calling it film feels very generous. <laughs> yeah, Christian film. God's not dead too. God's to not dead too. I mean, that is a motion picture that like made money. Like, how much did God's Not Dead to make? Probably a lot. The faith films make a lot of money. It only cost five million to make, and it made uh, twenty four point five million. So yes, it made its money back. <laughs> People love I that. I don't think it's as it's not as big as the first one. The first one made sixty four million, <laughs> but oh, yeah, when movies got a lot of money. Dead, like, okay, you know what else are we gonna say about it? He's alive. Uh, yeah. You guys, he's not dead for real though. <laughs> he's still here doing his thing. Well, it just it just became it just becomes like this like superhero franchise where it's like these like Christian crusaders are standing up for God who is in fact not dead. He's not. <laughs> they they're repping they're repping God. <laughs> they're um, just as active as Louis C.K. supporters, you know. Oh um, yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> So we should talk about Designated Dave. Yes. Yes. Designated Dave is played by Mark Webber, who's like um in, in he's mostly just like an indie actor and director now. This is like one of his most like mainstream movies. And he, I mean, he does like a great job. He's very sweet. I guess I have trouble understanding why it is that no one likes him. Like, I, maybe it's his, because it just seems like he just has a bad haircut. Like, he's, like, one hair fix away from people respecting him. But I think that's, like, so much of high school in general. Like, that, that, that I got, because I think there is, like, just, like, people who randomly get a certain, like, title or reputation that they, like, can't really escape, even though there's no, like, tangible, like, things that are wrong. Like, I remember in high school, I, like, I one time, like, liked this guy, and he, like, in theory was fine. Like, he, like, was, like, cute and nice, but for some reason, like, kids just didn't like him. Like, for a reason, like, and then I didn't like him. Yeah, you were just, like, there's, like, this um, force field, like a... a Like a peer pressure force field almost. It's like, oh, well, we just don't like him. And even if you're not (laughs) trying to impress those people, then in your head, you're, like, not going to be around that person. Or, like, people are just around that person. I felt like Designated Dave was very arbitrary because he's so cool. Like, also, he doesn't even judge the people. Like, when he drives people, he's not even judgy. Because if he had been, like, really self-righteous or something, I would understand, like... You know, if he was, maybe if he was super Christian, he was like, you should stop <laughs> drinking and go to church. Yeah. <laughs> but but like, he's just really like, as like when he's 16. <laughs> like, I actually thought that he was really fucking cool. Like I'm from Georgia yeah. and there were a bunch of people drunk driving all the time. And I was just like, it would have been nice if there was just a guy to come and make sure that none of these people make a fool of themselves. It kind of reminds me of, if you've seen Say Anything, Lloyd Doppler uh, at the big party 
where they've all graduated is the graduation party. He's the reliable one, so he's the keeper of the keys. So he doesn't give the keys away to anyone who he thinks is too drunk. Instead, he drives them home. And it's like, I like that nice, reliable dude. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. I, I loved Dave. I thought he was great because he just felt like he cared and he was also very practical. He's like, well, this is like a useful thing I can do. Like, I don't want to be at the party or I don't, I don't care about some of these things, but I'll like drive people. I can do that. And I was like, oh, what a sweetie. But I I agree. I feel like it's just that high school thing. Like designated Dave is one of the people who will go to college and have a lot of friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, like, he wins in the end anyway. Yeah. He does. Because the girl he was talking to on the internet happened to be the most popular girl in school. And because she's been treated like shit by... Like, and the thing is, she also gets treated like shit by other popular people because they remember when she was, like, bigger. So she ends up with the only guy who's, like, nice and the, who wouldn't judge her for that. <laughs> yeah, like, they, they were the only couple that I cared about <laughs> this movie yeah same they're the only ones I like was actively rooting for yeah like I was like this is a couple that makes sense and I'm rooting for and they're really just like a side note for like a few minutes but I feel like that speaks to how Melissa Joan Hart and Adrian Grenier Grenier I have no idea it doesn't matter so Somebody can yeah, correct. I, I wasn't rooting for either of them. And like, it's like in the end, it's like, I guess it's fine that they were together because I didn't want them with anyone else either. Like Ali Lerder was like way too good for Adrian Granier and like, who cares what Melissa Joan Hart was doing. That's also it is like, I feel like Melissa Joan Hart's character was like so nothing in a way where it just made it really difficult to like care. Yeah, like the her character, there were points where I liked her like... I liked that she, at first, the movie made it seem like she was going to be really close-minded and that she was going to be Miss Queen Bee and, like, mean to him. But then, like, that that scene where um, she sees the video of the girl band playing and she's like, oh, this is cool. Like, she's obviously very interested in what other people are doing and, like, right. she's minded. So I like that about her. And he's annoying. <laughs> but he's also... He obviously does kind of care about her, but they just, I just feel like the movie is trying to do too many other things. Um, so every time I'd be like, oh, okay, they had a cute moment at the show. Like I can see them growing a connection. 18 other things with other characters would happen. And I'd be like, what, what is even happening with Melissa Joan Hart and Adrian Grenier? Like, like, why are they even pretending to date? They should just actually date or stop. Yeah, it's it's weird that there are all these imaginary stakes that are going on because none of because none of really what's happening actually matters very much. And the only person who really seems to care what Melissa Joan Hart is doing is her like fake best friend. (laughs) But it's weird that they're making this whole show because when we meet the popular people, they're just so once again, like choir kid energy. Like I also noticed that a lot of the the popular group is like perfectly diverse. Like the different skin tones are represented. The only thing really missing is that there's no black man. There's like, that's like the main one. Like all of the men are white, but the women are all diverse and they all seem to get along fine. And Susan May Pratt seems to be the only one who has any conflict with anyone. And Melissa Jen Hart spends the whole movie just like, I'm, 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 oh my God, I've been so embarrassed because Brad won't take me to the dance and it's going to be the end of the world. But no one really seems to care 
about yeah, it at all. And so whenever she talks that, about it, it doesn't make sense. The funny thing is the movie doesn't even like, isn't even consistent enough to have Brad be someone that everyone talks about. She's the only one who talks about him, but she doesn't even like him. <laughs> like they don't sell that point at all, which makes the whole shenanigans not work. Sorry, God. Oh, also, there's just like no appeal to Brad. Like he's just blonde and he's tall. But it's not only that there's no appeal to him. She doesn't even like him. Like she she like when they're in the car with like designated Dave and he like mentions that, you know, I was going to take you out. But I fell in love with this cheerleader. And he's like trying to talk to her like a person. And she's just like, whatever. Love is for dopes. Get the fuck out of the car. And I'm just like, why? Why is it that she, why is it that he continues to be her friend after she does this? And why is it that at the end of the movie, he asks her to Centennial after she's treated him like this? It's, it's weird. It's like, they're all in like this, um, like business institution or whatever. And no one cares about anyone's feelings. (laughs) It does. It does feel like no one cares about anyone's feelings. Also, it just like seemed so unnecessary that she had this like vindictive best friend who like literally made out with like two guys that she like liked or said she liked in the span of the, like, it's just so. That was such a weird plot. Like, I felt like that plot point, there's so much to explore there. They either should have cut it or they should have had that be a big part of it. That should have been the whole movie or that can't be a side thing. She's like, like, oh, that's the woman who was my, I thought was my best friend was like lying to me and manipulating people and all this stuff. Oh, well, bye girl. Like she like says bye at like a party. She tells her off, but it's very casual. She doesn't seem sad. I had a best friend who did that. I would be sad and devastated. I like, I wouldn't even, what would you even do with yourself? Like I just, the idea of that is crazy to me. Yeah, the, and the fact, and yeah, the movie doesn't really give um, her friend any, any like, motive. It's it's just, like, oh, she likes to people and she likes to have sex, so she sets up these situations and, like, enjoys getting a reaction out of people. Yeah. Um, there are other boys. That's the thing. Like, I don't understand why this friend is so interested in the, the only two boys that Melissa Joan Hart is interested in. There are other boys, and I honestly wanted to see more of them. I felt like the world in terms of boys in this movie was very limited. I was like, no, I want to see all the different types. I don't want to like just see six these. boys. Yeah, <laughs> not enough boys. There's six boys in the whole school, and they're all like white and gross. yeah there there weren't that many boys that we got to actually interact with but there were a lot of women yeah and I say women because they were all like all the actors were adults I mean yes they were all they were all adults and it was and and it just seemed like no one really had anything in common with anyone else and like I watched this movie a lot when I was younger and I can't remember what it was that I liked so much about it. I probably just had a crush on Adrian, but watching it again, it seems like a performance of a teen movie, but not quite a teen movie. Like there are things missing that makes it feel less real. It feels overall like, it feels so hollow. Like it feels like there's no emotional core and I feel like it's not really even trying to make anyone feel any way. Yeah, absolutely no feelings. Like the most intense feeling I felt is, okay, so (laughs) for Centennial, it's originally chosen that they were going to have a Brandy cover band, but uh, (laughs) Melissa Joan Hart, (laughs) Melissa Joan Hart wants 
the Donnas. Like, it's essentially just the Donnas. And the Donnas were just, like, a band that were around for, like, five years. And they were just like, what if the Runaways, but now? <laughs> and it went oh, yeah, as well as that. just, like, as you would imagine. They were... The Donners were essentially a Runaways cover band and nobody ever really treated them as anything else than that. And I mean, that's kind of all they ever were. So it's very, so I actually got physically angry when they were just like, no, we can't have Brandy songs. We have to have the Donnas. The Don, nobody even remembers the fucking Donnas except me. And that's just because I have this information in my head. I'm plagued with it. I remember them too. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It is like a very weird hill for the movie to die on. Um, like, like, oh, uh, Brandy, but like <laughs> this watered down version of an older alt band. Like. It's, it's like if you were going to have, it's like, <laughs> It's like if you were going to have, like, Tegan and Sarah, and then somebody was like, no, but what about the Veronicas? (laughs) (laughs) Also, if somebody was that, like, pressed about it, I'd be like, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's have the Veronicas. Yeah, that was such a funny... I mean, I feel like that's kind of goes back to the fact that this movie doesn't know what it considers all what it considers popular who like what that looks like like there's certain scenes where it tries to establish that and then it just undoes it whereas a lot of high school movies even the bad ones have very clear tropes so you at least know what click people are in and why they feel the way they feel about each other no matter how stupid it is but with this one it's kind of just like <laughs> the movie's having an identity crisis um, well, also, it's like with Adrian Greenier, it's like, okay, yeah, he's like not cool, but he like has friends. He has like a really hot girlfriend. Like, yeah, he's, he's fine. More, like, everyone, he's hot. Like, it's not like right. anyone bullied him. Yeah, it, it, it can't be. This isn't like she's all that, but it's a guy. Like, it's not that. Like, it would be that yeah. if the main guy was designated Dave, but it's not. Right. So. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So so it's like a movie with no purpose. And I just kept on sitting through it wondering, you know, wouldn't it be great if Adrian Grenier and Melissa Joan Hart were just fucking through this entire movie and that the conflict was that, like, people are shocked that she's having that much sex? Like, I kind of <laughs> think that, that was the plot. <laughs> the whole movie like, is it was, just... It was, it was the kissing like, booth, but with... Uh, did you guys see that? Yes, I did. Yeah, we did it on the podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, yeah, it's weird because, like, I don't think that her and Adrian Grenner have any romantic chemistry, but I would believe that they would fuck through high school. I would believe that. And it's annoying that we don't get that. Like, at least give us that. Yeah, we don't, we don't get that. And also like the, their relationship parents feel forced, like, like the move, it feels like the movie forces that as a way to give depth to them and to their relationship, but it doesn't work. Um, oh, yeah, like, we don't, pa- <laughs> we don't know that mom is dead until like three quarters through the movie when it comes up. Um, and Melissa Joan Hart is basically like apologizing because, you know, they used to be really close and then she stopped going over there when his mom got sick. It's like a pretty big plot line to just throw in there. And it feels like the movie is exploiting it to, create depth but it doesn't work and it's the same with her dad where it's like oh her dad's not present 
Uh, yeah, no, and it's that plot about the dead parent and then them like drifting apart is the catalyst for Always Be My Maybe. And they actually dig into that way more. So I just kept on thinking, Always Be My Maybe understood like what a giant shift it is to lose a parent and how that could derail a relationship. Whereas this, it's like, we were 11, he lost his mom, I didn't know what to do. And then I just decided to like bully him in high school. Like, I don't know how we get from, I don't know how to empathize with you to bully him. Right. <laughs> Where do yeah. we? Like there's like, yeah, exactly. Like her way of not dealing with her guilt is to just be like, he's not cool. Now that his mom's dead? What? Yeah. It's just, it was such a weird way to give them dimension and bring them closer together. Also, because it's just, like, so unnecessary. Like, them being neighbors is kind of, in my, like, enough of a thing. Like, let alone, also, their parents are flirting, and he doesn't have a mom, and she doesn't really have a dad. Like, it, it seemed like there were so many unnecessary things trying to bring them together, and then the only thing that wasn't bringing them together was, like, them. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it, like even just one of these ingredients is enough to bring them together. Right. Like you know, like we don't need all of that. And then that scene where she, Melissa Joan Hart, like talks to Ali Larder about <laughs> about animal rights, and she's like, you know, the reason he's not in animal rights is because his mom died of cancer, <laughs> and. And and then and I was like, whoa, okay, this is a lot. Right? This conversation in high school, and then Melissa Joan Hart goes, she goes, think about it, cancer, lab rats, and she like walks away like it's a mic drop to Ali Larder, and I'm like, you just traumatize his ex girlfriend. I don't know. What's- no, <laughs> it's it's so it's so weird because like that's. Like, you know, it was like a, it was almost like a debate with no ending. That is, it was like, <laughs> oh, well, like I was going to say, like, I, I like, there's a lot of cancer in my family and everything, but I don't know anyone who cognizantly is like, we love animal testing. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's not like, like, I feel like there's a way to be like, okay, okay, like, I want to save people who have cancer. I want to save the animals. Okay, what is the next step to where we can help people with cancer without the animal testing? Like, it's weird. Like, I just wanted them to sit down together and work it out. And, like, have a talk. <laughs> with yeah, there's so much going on in the fact, and I just thought it was so, I mean, it's dark, but it's funny to me that the movie was just like, yeah, this is going to be a moment, and and this is how she's going to, like, show her and I was like what the fuck yeah (laughs) oh what like it just sucks because like I'm like this movie probably could have been good like I don't know there's a lot of actors that like there's There's a lot of the right and Rob Thomas is like so good generally I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he's good generally. I do think that, like, he loves moral gray areas so much that he doesn't really want to, like, dig into them. And I felt that in this movie where it's just, like, there are two sides. Okay, that's it. <laughs> we could, we yeah, could go further in here. <laughs> movie, but you could commit to one, to, like, saying anything or showing yeah. anything. Like, I, like, um... A lot of people posted about it on my Instagram and a lot of people love this movie still. So I am really curious. Like, and I was, I, I was realizing that I hadn't seen it before and I was like, oh, okay. But then by the end I was like, it's not like, it's just like 
a very confusing movie. Yeah, it's, it's like a, really, it's like really, it's like not, it's really long, isn't it? Kind of long. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm like, it takes so many weird detours that don't feel like they add anything. Like at the end, I think I felt like I just watched a bunch of weird scenes. Like it's like one of those movies. Yeah, yeah. you're like, is this? It's like they um, had some sort of assignment where they're like, okay, we have these basic character sketches now, just like play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like. Well, yeah, and it's never, there's never, like, okay, with Melissa Joan Hart and Adrian, like, they've known each other since childhood, and they both, I mean, even though she's obsessed with the centennial, she doesn't even that much about high school, like, she makes certain aspects of it, so she needs to know that it doesn't matter that much, and that's the thing that I think they actually have the most in common, besides being neighbors, is that they both are like, this doesn't actually matter. But none of their classmates seem to care that much either, so... No, it seems like everyone's kind of, like, generally apathetic about this. And, like, I think that is what it is, is maybe the movie itself has, like, a very apathetic kind of, like, tone to it. Where it's yeah. like, okay, you have two char- two main characters whose whole thing is that they don't really care except for the girl cares about the centennial a lot. Which is also funny because, like... Okay, can we talk about can we talk about like how the hell did she plan that? That shit looked like <laughs> that the mess shit was. Oh my god, that shit looked That's more intricate than like a Star Trek set. I was just like, like what the fuck? <laughs> also, like this is like at a high school in Utah. I'm like, where where are these resources? Oh yeah, because when when they talk over the budget, it's like they have like thousands of dollars to work yeah. with. Like, did you ever listen to like somebody who's like, "Oh, this is gonna cost six thousand? I was like, six thousand what? <laughs> yeah, like I just yeah this this movie was funny. Like there's certain points where they're sitting, there's like a group of kids sitting and it looks like live action Daria. It doesn't feel like it, but it looks like it, just their outfits. Um, But I don't know, like it's a time capsule, but I don't know to what even, because because again, it's not committing to any specific tone. There's moments of, but then it's just. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's a case of, a very cynical product because even the title of this movie drive me crazy is after the Britney Spears song, which is on the soundtrack. And there's really no reason for the movie to be called that except that Britney, that Britney Spears song is on the soundtrack. So it almost feels like this might be like the most studio of the teen movies of that time because it just doesn't really justify its own existence. Like, there are other teen movies that have a worse reputation than this, like um, Get Over It. Uh, And I actually think that Get Over It is a much better movie. I would say that Get Over It is possibly the alternative to this movie. What's what's Get Over It? Is that the one with Jason Biggs? No. Um, Get Over It is... (laughs) It's... I don't. Uh, I feel like this is a very deep cut, but I'm obsessed. Oh, with this is, movie. is this the Mila Kunis? It's like Kirsten Dunst. Yes, yes, Mila Kunis, Kirsten Dunst, yeah, and they, they Disco they is in it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Short. Yes. Yeah. Like I kept on thinking about because, like, that's a good movie, huh? 
That's a really funny movie. That's, That's like a, a really fun funny movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, I actually think that Get Over It's like a, the case of like, this is the really underrated one, whereas like this one is considered to be underrated, kind of like unjustifiably so. <laughs> right, like I don't think anyone should watch this movie. Like even as someone who like loves Melissa Joan Hart, like I'm like, oh no, I wouldn't rec- I wouldn't tell anyone to watch this. No, yeah, there's, there's really like no point like to watch it. It's a waste of time. It doesn't do anything for anyone. I'm like, what is it like genuinely? What is it trying to like get at? And it's like no- nothing. It's not. It yeah, because it's like- not even because again, it's not even um, them overcoming their biases. It's not like oh, he realizes that you know the the preps are also interesting, or she realizes that like the alt kids are cool. It's because neither of them are really that much of anything, so they're coming anything. But they also yeah, like they don't have individual like character journeys really. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much at the end, they're like, oh, I guess I want to fuck. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I guess I'm yeah, attracted right. to you. Oh, yeah, and, the, and, and when they're fucking in the treehouse, I'm just like, you could have been doing this the whole time. <laughs> we talk about the fact that their parents have been flirting the whole movie, um, and the last scene of this movie, <laughs> they get back, and they're, like, kissing, and then <laughs> their mom and dad come out, his dad her mom and they're basically like oh we're gonna have to talk about what this means so basically all four of us are hooking up and and then and then instead of getting dressed out Melissa Joan Hart and Adrian are just like well why don't we just go to the treehouse and that's like supposed to be the that's like supposed to be the drum fill at the end of this movie and I'm like so wait are y'all just saying that if parents decide to get married, you're cool with like being step siblings. Like what? Like that? That is such a weird way to end a movie that was not at all about that. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it felt it felt like the pilot to like a very bad show that only went <laughs> for one season. Yeah, oh, that we would, <laughs> we would totally watch. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, we would totally watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like. How is this ending? How is ending? But why make that choice? Like, if the parents had had a relationship the whole time and that was a big thing, maybe that could work. But even so, it's like, uh, yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, it was such a, it was just like such a bizarre movie. And I wonder, like, you know, I, I do think that if I'd seen it for, it's it's so weird that I haven't seen it. It's so weird. But if I had seen it when I was younger, I probably would have really liked it just because of who was there and just because of some of the moments in the songs. Um, but now, but I think it's I very weird to watch for the first time now. <laughs> I don't know. It reminds me a lot of like um, S Club 7. Like I remember I listened to S Club 7. I watched S Club 7, but I feel no nostalgia for S Club 7. <laughs> like it's, it's yeah. just, it's gone. <laughs> Yeah, S Club 7 is, um, wow, it's like the Capri Sun of television. <laughs> you know, like, you don't like it, but, like, for a while, everyone had it. <laughs> and that was exactly. the thing. That is exactly well, how I feel about like, this. Something that's, like, famous or well-known, but not important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's easy. It's, like, easing. It's It's easy viewing. This is an easy movie to watch, but that's because nothing happens. 
but I kind of think it's like okay I think the first time I saw this movie I was like in my Sabrina teenage witch phase like I probably was like 10 years old and I think I even then knew it wasn't as good as like a get over it like I think yeah. even kids can tell like what because it's not exciting at all yeah Kids can, it's like kids are way more emotionally intelligent than we give them credit for. So like yeah. they can tell if work, you know. Like I think I knew that this movie was bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, none of the, this movie could be created. Like there are so many things. This movie could be cut up and made into eight different movies that are yeah, actually Yeah, like good. there's so many. Also like there's so many other characters within this movie that I would rather be following than Melissa Joan Hart. Yes. I just want a movie about Dave. <laughs> Yes. yes. Love like Dave. Dave is I love yeah, the one movie where it's like, you know, we like the boy. The boy is an interesting character. The women, not so much. <laughs> and there are so many of them too. And they just like, aside from Carrie Lynn Pratt, nobody really has a story. It's just, it's just Dave and Dee and nothing else and then rob thomas went on to make veronica mars like five years later so or six or seven and he's fine he's doing fine (laughs) the new veronica mars like that's on hulu is really bad though in my opinion i know it is it makes me so sad i have not watched the new (laughs) one less thing it's too heavy i think it's just like a lot yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, I kind I of, like, I kind of want to rewatch the Veronica Mars movie because it was like it was right when because you know the series is where it gets the new series is where it gets like super heavy. But the movie was the first time where it was just like, oh wait, we're taking a turn here. And I would love to know what a Rob Thomas movie looks like compared to this one. It's got to the Veronica Mars movie has to be better than this, right? <laughs> Oh, yeah, sure. the Veronica Mars movie is good, but I think that's also like, like as long as there's like a good lead character, like I do think if Melissa Joan Hart had had more substance, this movie would have been a lot better. Like I think it's like I think that it just wasn't quite like the right lead. Yeah, the movie didn't know who she was. Yeah, because I think like it's like you can watch you can watch pretty bad movies if like the main character was like a Veronica. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, because like, really- she's not a Veronica, so it's like we're not gonna watch her do nothing for like right. two hours. Like, like, <laughs> her personality is that she's obsessed with a centennial dance. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I'm after not- I just like imagining that after the dance, like when it hits midnight, she just turns into a clock. <laughs> <laughs> that was her whole purpose. Yeah. <laughs> And he's just like, oh, all relationships disappear. And then he like starts <laughs> a block. Should <laughs> <laughs> we write our own version of this movie? We you should. Got That'd be fun. I mean, I feel like that's what we, sh- we should all be doing. We should be writing movies so that when we come out of this quarantine, we can all get paid. That's, that's what I, I desperately that. want to do. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's so smart. I know I'm trying to work on, I'm trying to write a rom-com also because this is all I've been watching is like all of the... Please do. Oh my God, I would love to see that script. <laughs> yes. I'm working on it. We, the genre needs good ones. So please. Desperately. <laughs> I, I love, yeah, I love like the the 90s, like magical realism ones. Yes, absolutely. Where, yeah. where you're like, that elderly person is actually a ghost of love. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, I mean, this was on your list, but have you guys watched Prelude to a Kiss yet? No, we haven't. No, we haven't. That's like one of those where you're like, oh, now I'm excited. Oh, that movie's wild. So, uh, Dana, where can people find you online? Um, Okay, let's see. I'm on Twitter at Dana D only, like D A N A D O N L Y, D O N L Y, yeah. And then on Instagram at Hottest Dana. And that's it, I think, for now. Oh, for now. So you have plans. Oh, I don't. I don't. But maybe I will. (laughs) I feel like every day I find out someone else is on TikTok now. And I'm like, eventually, maybe I'll I'll just be there, you know? I'm on TikTok and I made exactly one video. And when I think of another one, I will make a second one. Like, I'm very slow with it. Yes. Sorry, that's me. Oh, I mean, you know, sirens. Sorry, that's my ride. <laughs> um, I gotta go. So this has been the Bad Romance Podcast. Um, it's like, because we're uh, recording remotely, it was like a little chaotic, but I also feel like we were all very passionate. So that works for me. Um, so our theme song is done by Clutch Douglas. You should listen to that. We are on all of the applications to listen to podcasts on. We recently joined the Lunar Light Studio. And so we're going to start adding like a bumper at the end of episodes to address that. Maybe for this episode, if I can get my editing in control on time. Um, what else? Do we have any other announcements, Bronwyn? Um, I think those are all the announcements for now. I know that Lunar Light Studio is going to do some streaming events um but they're still nailing it down so we'll keep people updated they're gonna do some uh i think some interviews and some different programming for pride so that'll be really fun yeah that'll be cool and yeah i think that's all the announcements just like you know wash your hands and don't don't like read the news after 11 p.m unless Um, that's your job tip your weed man uh he's really <laughs> he is braving the waste to get you high that's very important <laughs> yes definitely tip your weed people and um and dana are you in are you in la yes how is it over there I, there was an earthquake last night right there was an earthquake i didn't feel it i was asleep um but it's it's honestly really nice it's like warm you can't i'm sure i'm sure it's better than in new york would be my guess for myself yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, it is. And I'm very yeah. jealous. <laughs> I didn't get the laundromat yet. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, you know, we are, con- we will continue to record remotely during this pandemic. Who knows how long it'll last. Um, thankfully, there are 10 seasons of Beverly Hills Nano 2 and 0 for me to watch. So I will be fine. <laughs> so I've been Jordan Searles. I've been Bronwyn Isaac. And Dana. Dana, oh, say bye. Dana. I'm Dana. Sorry, I'm we didn't. Dana. Say bye no, to no. the guest, Dana. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's dump this truck.
Delight Studio. Pretty, witty, and gay.